Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist, and Alan Smithy, and, Ma- <laughs> and I'm joined as ever by my beautiful co-host. Alan Smithy, and I'm uh, quite a renowned director. I'm No, I'm Sam Asher, so I'm a writer, I'm a director, and uh, we're back. We're back after our first ever little holiday. Um, how was your little break over uh the festive season dan oh yeah uh, brief but but uh delightfully low-key yes good yeah same here that's what that's what i wanted and uh i uh, i ended the year by hitting my target of i think it's been 13 years i've tried to do this of watching 500 movies in a single year I actually made it to 523 which is pretty crazy because last year uh, the closest i've ever been uh, was last year at 495. Uh, you can imagine how pissed off I was when I realised, oh shit, I don't have enough time to watch five movies last year. But this year I did it. And my resolution, uh, seeing as it's our first episode of the new year, uh, is to watch less films this year, Dan. Less films, less than 500. Um, is it? Is it because you're going to watch the, all of the longest films? It's because I'm going to watch longer films, and it's also because uh, I've set myself a target of reading a hundred books this year. So I may throw in an occasional occasional book recommendation uh, into recommendations, but I'll make sure that they're always film related if I do um do that (laughs) but yeah speaking of new stuff i watched something for the first time ever for this episode it's not hellraiser bloodline but it is the work print version of hellraiser bloodline because that's what we're we're reviewing this time and and last time we did say that we were gonna watch the director's cut on this disc, but it's not actually the director's cut, is it? It's uh, it's just it's the work print, it, sort of an intermediary cut. I think yeah. post director's cut on yes. the way to becoming the version that was so maligned. It, exactly, <laughs> its original release. And and actually, when because uh, it, it begins with um, you know a description of what you're about to watch, and it actually says this is emphatically not the director's cut. Um, which made me very nervous because you don't often see the use of the word emphatically uh, in this kind of situation. But I was very, very relieved when it started. And uh, sure enough, it did open where I was expecting it to open. And it played out how I had always uh, heard this film was supposed to play out. I'm sure, you know, there are missing bits and pieces. um, But this is actually pretty close to um, the original vision, right? Yeah, I believe so. Um, There's It's interesting, there's additional missing scenes. We'll get on to extras later, obviously. But there's additional missing scenes uh, that show that there are sort of alternate, alternate Mm -hmm. versions that were never finished for visual effects reasons or whatever. So there's, you see bits of versions of scenes where you've just got text where there would be effects. And, and that kind of stuff and variant deaths as well um and and those actually and those uh, come from a, a a different work print version there's another work print out there that i think was yeah. kind of more of a bootleg that one did have text appearing throughout it whereas this one yeah has, has cut it all out and put it into a separate thing um and extended bits that weren't extended in that work print version that original work print so yeah it's a really yeah. unique i mean i guess extra it's- yeah, it's probably it would probably be impossible to get the Jaeger version 
or the version yeah. that Jaeger had intended to make anyway, because quite aside from the fact that he he walked off mm. the film and and had his uh, for 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 listeners who don't know, Kevin Jaeger, the the actual director of this movie before he he walked off, is a is a very renowned makeup effects artist and did things like create Chucky and the the animatronic stuff on Chucky, which was absolutely groundbreaking, particularly Charles Play yeah. Two. I'm sure we'll may, may well talk about some of that in a future episode, but um and Sleepy Hollow and all this kind of stuff, and he was a real perfectionist. Um, did a lot of work in this country I know a few people have worked for him and he was really like a, a sort of a perfectionist for the effects so I'd be interested to know what it was like for him you know he's not directed another feature yeah. since this what it was like for him to direct so many effects that he wasn't directly in charge of although his team did actually do some of the effects um, in this uh, the dogs were him his lot yeah but like his ver- he, he was having things taken away from him financially yeah. and schedule wise so early in the production that i suspect the version of it he wanted to make the version of it he saw in his head when he first read the script just never came to be yeah absolutely i do have to say like when you chose this movie i understand doing it as like uh being a completionist because we've done parts one two and three on the podcast already and they were all really fun episodes to do i was dreading this slightly because i did find the theatrical cut of um bloodline incredibly boring and um yeah without any kind of real stakes uh, because of the way it was recut but watching it in the correct chronological order was a bit of a hellraiser revelation for me it's uh still not perfect but it's so infinitely better than the theatrical cut it's ridiculous you it know really but by sticking the future stuff in the opening act the studio really ruined what would have been a pretty brilliant reveal it's basically the, yeah, the whole point of the movie that it starts out Barry Lyndon and ends 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, it's it would have been so unexpected in the uh, in the original yeah. cut. It's so stupid what they did. And it, it wouldn't take too much to uh, recut the film another time to uh, to cross it into Star Trek and have that be a big ball. <laughs> well, yeah, and that now there's a, no, a twist. But that's you. that's one of the really cool things about the work print is that obviously in the original version the ship that he's traveling in transforms into the cube at the end it's like a flat thing um mm. whereas yeah. it, it just makes so much more sense to have it be the cube the whole time it, it just connects it back to yeah. everything including the ending and, of hellraiser and the 3. reveal is that it becomes that drawing rather than that it becomes a yeah. cube yeah yeah exactly so yeah it's it's a it's a vastly better film and, I, and i'd always hoped that it would yeah. be a better film and that is why i chose this yeah <laughs> I've been sung before. We've done ones that where I've chosen a film that I've not seen, and it's like, oh yeah, no, that wasn't that wasn't a great choice. Yeah. But this was, yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised. I just wish it was better quality, and maybe maybe one day it'll. Yeah, start. but you know, Shay and I do VHS Quest, and uh, the VHS player yeah. that we use actually has it's broken, so we have the time code on every single VHS we watch so it wasn't too much of a leap for us and and Shay really enjoyed it as well there is stuff to criticize still you know Pinhead is way cheesier here than even in part three when he first kind of drifted into that Freddy Krueger catchphrase monster trope um I think yeah, I think the, the 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 catchphrases are better than three they're less they feel less like attempts to coin catchphrases mm. He talks too much. There's a bit of hell admin going yeah, exactly, on. Exactly, yeah. It's an election year. In yeah, hell. and I'll, I'll get into it in, um, in my recommendations. But 
uh, even the way that this work print was kind of edited, there's bits and pieces that they have removed arbitrarily, it seems, from what Pinhead's saying and the, the conversations he has with Angelique. There, there's so much in this version and the studio version that actually doesn't make sense because lines of dialogue were trimmed. So I'll get onto that in recommendations. But there was a moment, because obviously I have seen the original before, and there was one moment where I looked at Shay for her reaction. There's the pinhead line where he says something like, this isn't a building, this is a, a holocaust waiting to wake. Oh, a holocaust waiting to awaken, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I just, and sure enough, her eyes widened and she just slowly turned to me and was like, what the fuck? It's a pretty hardcore line to put into... Yeah, he's a, he's a bad guy. Yeah, that's true. Oh my God, I forgot. What? what? Yeah, you're... you're it... Like, what's the point of writing a bad guy if he can't be pro-Holocaust? Not the No, Holocaust. no, just... Uh, Not Holocaust with a big just H. A, just the concept. Yeah, Festival of Flesh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fair enough. I was, weirdly, many, many years ago, I had a conversation with my father about how, when he was a kid, the, the term Holocaust had not yet become publicly synonymous with the atrocities that befell the Jewish mm -hmm. people uh, and, you know, various other people, but focus of in the second world war and was still very much married to nuclear devastation uh, of course it was yeah yeah um, yeah and, and i think the sort of the the holocaust as a phrase you know bit capital h overtook nuclear yep. holocaust as the dominant like parlance really in our lifetimes mm -hmm. because i i looking back at my childhood i mean you know i'm not jewish so obviously i was less traditionally affected by it in my youth uh, until i was sort of educated uh i it was that was very much the way i understood the word to be and it's interesting when a word does take on a a particular like weight and it it completely reframes all these things in mm. the past all these things that that were using it differently in the same way that um a lot of uh, a lot of old comics have some quite funny phrases that seem totally normal at the mm, time like i'm gonna give batman a boner exactly yeah, yeah. that was precisely what i was thinking <laughs> of <laughs> i i do think though pinhead probably was uh using the associations that 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 i i'm using i don't think he was planning on bringing nukes up from hell um no no i don't i don't think he meant nukes but i don't think he meant jewish people oh either. yeah sure 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 I, I think he just meant everybody. He meant all-encompassing destruction, which is what the word yes, originally meant. Yes. Well, um, precious arrowheads, you do come to us for uh, etymology and Holocaust talk. So uh, that's that section of the show over and done with. Uh, let's move on. You heard it first. <laughs> Pinhead is an anti-Semite. <laughs> uh, let's move on to uh, the extras. Let's talk about some of the extras. I loved, loved, loved the commentary featuring screenwriter Peter yeah. Atkins with Stephen Jones and Kim Newman. Really, really brilliant backstory on the original plans for Hellraiser 4. And it does feel essentially like a conversation between mates, but they are watching the movie and they do use what's happening on screen as a conversation starter. Um, you know me, Dan, I do normally prefer when people are analysing frame by frame what's playing out in front of them. Uh, but this is such a unique case 
where we're hearing a writer discuss a version that we're not actually seeing. Um, and he's also watching the movie for the first time in 30 years, which shows the level of disappointment yeah. in that studio cut. So, you know, this is a complete exception. Yeah, I, I really love this commentary. It's exactly what I wanted from this disc. How did you feel about it? Yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was it was really good. I, I think a note to any audience members who haven't listened to the commentary yet, but who are considering it, um, it's worth watching the, the yeah. work print first. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of the focus of the commentary is about what the film, you know, the, the film that was released, but in context of how it was written, the director's cut that never happened, the work print, and then and then the final release that yeah. is the one that they're watching, the one that they're talking over. But they have all just watched the work print that Sam and I watched just before the recording of the commentary as well. So that's very fresh in their minds. And so there's a lot of comparisons being made. So I think it, it definitely benefits. I'm very pleased that I watched the the work print before I watched the um, audio commentary. Absolutely. When the work print went on, I I genuinely, because I haven't seen the, the first version for, for many years as well. Yeah. Maybe, not 30 years, but maybe nearly. That's the same um, for me, yeah, yeah. I second-guessed. I was like, did it always save the space till the end? Have I just got it have i just been confused was that such a focus mm. of how we all talked about it you know heroes are in space that it kind of transplanted itself and so when i watched the original version again i was like oh yeah no no they did really fuck it up because it is such a like imagine if that was a surprise yeah but yeah the, the commentary is absolutely fantastic as you said you know all these people are very familiar with it um some of them are familiar with the films that came after some of them <laughs> <are> not <laughs> um but it's interesting like so the the writer talks at one point about the fact that he really only kind of stuck around because kevin yeager was having such a bad mm. time with the studio and he liked him so he kind of st- he didn't walk off the job until mm. later um but i think he didn't he didn't stay till the end even um as as, Ke- as uh, Kevin left, yeah. yeah, it's great. It's really insightful, and it's it's very interesting as a uh, as a discussion about how films are made. Maybe for people who who aren't as used to being on sets and production meetings and all that kind of stuff, to see the kind of chaos yeah. that happens behind the scenes on on so many films. Not not even films that are worse in their final released version than their director's cut or their work prints. Like all films have a certain degree of chaos. A- absolutely, um, it's just how much. Yeah, and and chaos and and accidents and you know, not I, I'm not talking about like <laughs> health and safety accidents, but uh, unplanned stuff that can either make or break films. I think something like that happens on literally every single film ever made. What other extras did you enjoy on this disc? Then there's a there's an old appreciation by uh, David Gatwalk, who's an author. Um, of the books of Clive Barker specifically talking about how they have been adapted into Mm. films Um, kind of going through them in writing chronology Um, and that's really fantastic I had actually seen that before but um, it was really interesting to go back and rewatch it um, with with a sort of an overview of it and actually there's um, one of one of Clive's properties has has sort of come back come back around and there's a, another version being talked about and i was talking to someone about some some effects stuff Ooh. on that it's interesting to see it all contextualized um uh the aside from the work print there's also the extra scenes that mm-hmm. i mentioned um which are even worse quality. right yeah yeah <laughs> but but again really do just just shine a light on the sort of the changeable nature of this and how how much stuff can change at all these different 
different junctures in the film. You know, you get rewrites and rewrites and rewrites before the film's sold. But then after the film's sold, it's gonna, you know, the studio are gonna want some changes made. And then, as they mentioned in the commentary, they're doing new pages, rewrites, page by page rewrites throughout the shoot. Additional scenes are gonna get shot at the uh, the studio's request or the producer's request. So this stuff really does change absolutely constantly. The whole disc as a as a whole is a, an interesting insight into into all of that the uh, the hellraiser evolutions documentary is really good it's got some fantastic like very worldly folks like stuart gordon mm-hmm. and uh and scott derrickson yeah. and others like all chatting about the the franchise and how it's how it's sort of gone on and what it's become of the documentary is uh it's interesting because you know like so derrickson actually directed the fifth yeah film, inferno um which was sort of the first of the straight to, yeah the straight to video ones and i i didn't mind five and i didn't mind I either didn't mind five and six or five and seven. They're not really Hellraiser films. I don't think it was written as a Hellraiser film. It feels it's one of those ones that very much feels like oh, we'll just put Pinhead in it and then we can get it funded. But I didn't mind it. Yeah, I actually, um, I, I really like a proper Bobbins. I really like Hellraiser Inferno. Um, and yeah, it's absolutely clear that it was a post seven style um, yeah. movie that that they literally just took one draft to add Pinhead into the end. But uh, I still find it very entertaining and I, and I they were at least thoughtful in the casting you know um it's led by the guy from Nightbreed and um I really yeah. like the Cenobites in it They're really cool designs yeah I, I really you know I would recommend Inferno that isn't my recommendation but um yeah it, I, I hope that Arrow at the very least puts out an individual disc of that one because I'm not sure we need the rest on Blu-ray really. What's the one after Inferno called? Is it? It's the one where the snake comes out of the drowned lady's mouth. Is it Hellseeker? Hellseeker. Yeah, I didn't mind that one either. And then there's one at a school where Pinhead's a computer or something. Nonsense. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then obviously, (laughs) yeah, there's the uh, contractual ones. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. less said about those the better. And then we get into the post post Bradley. Yes, exactly. There's three three post Bradleys yeah, now. Yeah, there, there are. Oh boy, uh, I do not recommend any of the post Bradley ones. How do you feel, Dan? I saw a uh, a review of the most recent Hulu one that said. Uh, it chills me to my bones to look back on the franchise and acknowledge that this is in the top half of Hellraiser films. <laughs> God, I yeah, I absolutely fucking hated that remake. I really did. Oh, it sucked so bad. I was so disappointed. It, it had so much going for it, but it just fell apart so quickly. And the, the Cenobites just weren't scary, weren't intimidating. Everything was a bit clean. Yeah, very clean, exactly. It didn't feel pervy yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. It didn't It didn't feel like someone somewhere was wearing <laughs> Which, uh, like, Hellraiser has always felt quite, like secretly sordid yes like you're in a room next to some next to a different room in which something awful is happening yeah you know like a clive's house (laughs) (laughs) well that's the um that's the wanking section of uh, the podcast over and done with another new regular uh segment join us next time where we'll be combining the two segments Ah, oh, good. Happy New Year, Dan. Um, let's uh, let's move on to recommendations based on the film Hellraiser Bloodline. Uh, I'm going to go first because there is no way we've got separate uh, separate recommendations this week, and I want to get in there first. So I'm going to recommend yeah. Dan Jason X. <laughs> the best of course you fucking are we both are. yeah exactly it's the best horror icon in space movie 
and uh, it, it brings uh, an admittedly very slim premise, which is hockey mask guy kills people in different ways, uh, into a sci-fi environment perfectly. Finally answering the question, what would so Jason good. Voorhees do in a holodeck? It is better than Leprechaun 4 in space, which is an example of a, a movie that uh, really feels like it was a generic space horror script that had another draft to add in the leprechaun. Um, and uh, Jason X, on the other hand, has a focused genius, just, yeah, brilliant mixture of straight horror and total satire. I recommend it. Dan, what would you say about Jason X? Uh, I absolutely yeah. love it. It's got David Cronenberg sequence <laughs> in it. It's got someone getting their face smashed. Jason gets filled with nanobots. Yeah. And the holodeck bit is amazing. So like, good. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's amazing. Yeah, film. yeah. excellent. All right, well, uh, what's next from you? So it's a film called Jason <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought my next recommendation would be uh, Exorcist at the beginning and then also Dominion prequel oh, to The Exorcist. Oh, interesting. Ah, oh, that's very clever. Uh, so, Dan, tell us more about uh, why why this works as a recommendation. So, Exorcist at the beginning uh, and Dominion prequel to The Exorcist are ostensibly the same film. And ah. watching these two movies is like watching the two versions of How is a Bloodline, except with a lot more fucking about because rather than just re-editing it and Alan Smithying it, they fired Paul Schrader and they brought Rennie Harlan in to do a load of extra stuff, wrote some new scenes, like there's a bunch of new footage, but it's a it's a full other film. So, and then they released both movies. Like they released the second version, Harlan's version, first uh, in 2004. And then the next year, they let Paul Schrader release his version. So there's, there's two different, totally different mm. edits. And Harlan went for a much more like slap, like smash bang Hollywood horror and obviously Paul Schrader's is all about like faith <laughs> and like like characters what um so it's very interesting to see like how these two uh takes on the same script I mean obviously Harlan was was told don't do any of that boring character stuff yeah make it more make it more horror but like palatable horror not like good horror yeah but yeah the, the two films side by side are very interesting well, uh, that leads quite nicely into my second recommendation, which, believe it or not, is Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Zack Snyder cut, hey. uh, which is basically exactly the same situation. Warner Brothers brought in Joss Whedon because they were panicking that Zack Snyder's version was too uh, uh, character-based and uh, faith-focused. <laughs> uh, and they brought in Joss Whedon <laughs> to make it very silly. And uh, everybody hated it. And so uh, eventually, finally, after lots of pressure from some uh, pretty intense fans, uh, Warner Brothers from uh, went through a pandemic <laughs> And realised, oh shit, we need content to put onto our new streaming service. Well, why not put this four-hour movie that will get our numbers up and hopefully get some sign-ons. Uh, they didn't do it for any kind of uh, mere culpa or artistic reasons. It was purely in a panic. Uh, but I'm very glad they did. They even released a black-and-white version, which is <laughs> which is uh, an incredible move, um, really upping the can pretentiousness. You, can, you make it, can you make it more different, please, Zach? <laughs> You make it black and white and silent. <laughs> oh, silent just, would be good. We want you to do a four-hour four version of Derek Jarman's there Blue. You go. We'll call it the Snyder that's, Cut. That's, that's uh, the upcoming sequel to Rebel Moon. 
which I don't know if you've watched, but uh, I cannot defend Rebel Moon. Uh, I thought about... I've heard some things. I thought about trying uh, just to be a contrarian and saying, oh, yeah, Rebel Moon, it's it's really great for these reasons. But no. But maybe I'll like the director's cut of that because they're they're doing the same thing. Um, Apparently, they cut a load of blood and character stuff out of uh, Snyder's original cut. I think... (laughs) And faith. Probably, and lots of faith. I think probably to try and um, create their own Snyder Cut situation, which is uh, incredibly cynical. Uh, but I probably will watch the, the full version when it's out and hope that it's better. But the one that's on there now is uh, Tosh. Uh, but yeah, Zack Snyder's <laughs> the Snyder Cut. <laughs> I recommend it off the back of Hellraiser Bloodline. And I'd also recommend reading the original script because... Um, I did promise I'd talk about this in recommendations. It is out there. Um, there's an official release of the script. You can buy it on Amazon. And, uh, yeah, it has stuff like... You know the bit where Pinhead says that hell is a lot less amusing uh, these days? And that yeah. kind of doesn't really make sense um, because I'm not sure if hell was ever supposed to be a jolly thrill ride. Well, for, for it, but Pinhead likes it. Yeah, well, that's true. But but he's but he's complaining about it. He's saying, oh, it's not as fun anymore. But all he does is have fun yeah. um, torturing people. So it is still no, fun. It's, it's work a day. Well, actually, Dan, uh, if you read that script, you'll find that Angelique in the original vision for this film had like a gang of amusing clowns uh, when she was uh, in yes, hell. Yes, they mentioned the clowns. Yeah, and so uh, that's the amusing element that's been removed. And so Pinhead is being a bit passive-aggressive. So is, is he making fun of her yeah, clowns? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, stuff like that. Oh, so he's he's being down on the amusing. He's e- like, no, business. Exactly. Business, yeah, he loves it. None of the yeah, clowns. exactly. It's amusing to More him. chains and buggery. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the chains and buggery no section class. of the... Right, I'm not doing this joke anymore. <laughs> uh, all right, we're going to move on to recommendations based on the past couple of weeks. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I'm going to give you a second uh, little fill-in recommendation. Oh, you do have a backup. Because, well, it's not a film. Oh, good. <laughs> go, to the, uh, go to the Wikipedia page for Alan Smithy and look at all of the films where directors have taken their oh, names yeah, off things. Absolutely. Excellent. In- including uh, uh, can... Alan Smithy, Burn Hollywood Burn, right? Yes, indeed. Uh, Burn Hollywood, uh, an Alan Smithy film, Burn yeah. Hollywood Burn, which was directed by Arthur Hiller in 1997. I have the Wikipedia page. Fantastic. Right also including Bloodsucking Fairies in Pittsburgh. Well, there you go. So, oh, good old Alan. Considering some of the content we have covered in this uh, episode, maybe we should Alan Smithy it. So, uh, welcome to the Alan Smithy video podcast with Alan and Smithy. We are now going to do our recommendations based <laughs> on the past couple of weeks. Dan, why don't you go first? Well, I mean, I, I think everyone knew it was going to happen. Um, it's uh, it's Godzilla. Minus yes, one. excellent. Fantastic. Oh, I finally, uh, I got to the IMAX to see it. I went on my own. It was, I had had previously had a ticket, but been unable to make it with some friends and I couldn't pass up the opportunity to go and see it on that gigantic screen. And it is everything I wanted it to be. It was just breathtaking from start to finish i absolutely loved it i'm amazed they were allowed to make it it you know every now and then i look at the content of modern horror and i'm like fuck me this stuff this stuff is stronger than stuff that was in the nasties when i was growing right. up like stuff that was banned um but what it must be for like people a bit older than me who remembered stuff being banned in japan in the 60s because something looked a bit like it might be radiation sickness and now having like 
having mm. scenes like there are in Godzilla minus one. I mean, it's still it's, it's still quite light on dealing with some of the content of the Second World War, which I can imagine they they're still culturally keen to shy away from. Yeah. Um, but it's an astonishing uh, success. I yeah absolutely loved it, and and it was really nice to see a, a, like the IMAX packed. A lot mm-hmm. of young people there for a subtitled movie. Mm. Like everyone had a great time. It was yeah, it was really nice. Good respectful audience. I did a bit of reading up on uh, Takashi Yamazaki because I noticed in the credits that he was credited as the uh, visual effects designer as well, writer, director, visual effects designer. So I thought, okay, he must have a background in digital effects. He's actually directed a lot of features. But um, scrolling back through twenty years previous, he watched. Uh, he directed. <laughs> I watched a feature called Returner. Oh yeah. That, um, I don't know very many other people who've seen it, but yeah, I loved it. Yeah, Return is great. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure the uh, I'm sure the effects have uh, have dated a little bit because it is very digital. Lots of early stuff that feels like it it was a forerunner to the modern Transformers movies in the in the sort of technical mm-hmm. aspect of the of the visual effects. These you know planes turning into robots and stuff, but like the the fine detail of the mechanism, I remember being very impressive. But I really liked Returner. It's you know it's time travel. It's robots. It's it's great. Yeah, a little bit um, matrixy. So yeah, there you go. That's a two for yeah, a little bit of yeah, like very obviously like in, influenced by the, yeah. by the matrix. Yeah, you're completely right there. Yeah, no, it's a great one. Um, excellent. All right, so it's a double whammy recommendation of Godzilla minus one and Returner. Yeah, double bill those two. I mean, I, actually, I don't know if Return is even available on physical media. I haven't oh. seen it for years. But um, yeah, if it isn't, it, it bloody yeah. should be. Hang on, look that up while you recommend There your you next go, one. Arrow. Please put out Returner. My first recommendation is uh, readily available on the Criterion Collection and on the Criterion Channel. Um, as I mentioned in the top of the show, you know, I was. Uh, watching a a lot of films last year and at at the end of the year I started ticking off some classics that I'd never seen and uh, one I absolutely adored was uh, Ozu's Good Morning. I loved it so much. Most of the Ozu movies I've seen have been absolute heartbreakers but this gentle comedy which contains more farts than any movie uh, I've seen before was a complete complete delight it's essentially about a couple of kids who refuse to speak until their parents buy them a tv um, which isn't as obnoxious as it sounds especially as one of the two kids is the most adorable child actor in the history of cinema wonderfully performed Uh, the pacing is just really gentle and beautiful Um, and yeah it features several scenes in which kids poke each other in the forehead to make them fart Uh, And so, you know, what more could you possibly ask for? I loved Good Morning so, so much, and I recommend it. Dan, how do you feel about Good Morning? I've not seen Good Morning, but it sounds absolutely delightful. Please, please watch it. You you will... Oh, my God. I I thought I was safe saying you've seen it because it's such a Dan film. Yeah, let me know when you have watched it. It's beautiful. I want Criterion to sort out their bloody streaming services. I know, yeah. It's... it's, it's... I mean, I guess so many of their things are, are regional exclusives they actually wouldn't be able to show a lot of I, stuff. yeah i think um <sighs> that it's been swallowed up. i think the bfi player is probably the closest thing to criterion in the uk um that yeah. I, I think it's split between that and movie yeah and well and some stuff on arrow yeah. and some stuff on like you know it, it is really spread out but there's there is stuff on there in the states that isn't available on anything mm. in the uk and it's, that's a real shame that we can't like they should at least i mean they presumably didn't bother spending the money on the rights so they can't but it'd be nice if that stuff at least turned up on 
on Amazon or something to to rent the uh, the Criterion versions. Yeah, that we can get here. I know. I, I should say I always find it a bit weird recommending Mubi. Not that I was recommending it. I just mentioned it. But um, yeah, Mubi in my head will forever be Tory because um, they signed a letter saying that people should elect David Cameron because they trusted him uh, on business. And uh, obviously that led to Brexit and that led to the collapse of the UK. And that's the Brexit section of the show over and done with. Dan, (laughs) what's next from you? (laughs) Uh, The bad news that there has still not been a Blu-ray of Returner, uh, the American dvd that i have downstairs is is still the only uh any physical media with english subs as far as and you know what for Um, balance for balance you know mubi that was a long time ago maybe they've got new management maybe you know the employees working there now don't even know that uh mubi's uh massive tories but uh yeah that's my balance attempt you can rent returner for two pound 49 on amazon (laughs) (laughs) well seamless that was seamless (laughs) all right well there you go i like you i'll just let you i'll just let you talk about the tories for a bit while i google yeah perfect it's it's your dream scenario dan (laughs) your dulcet tones talking about british politics and uh did you just go again you didn't did you it's your turn i got confused no i didn't i um uh, I watched the Radiance uh, release of Yakuza Grave. Oh, nice. Um, the 1976 Kinji Fukusaku picture. Um, oh, my goodness. It's astonishingly good. Obviously, it has that uh, lovely Fukusaku-esque procedural first half that slowly slowly slips into madness and chaos as the characters lose control of what's going on around them. It's Yeah, it's, it's everything you want, really. And it has one of the best... Uh, last shots of any film ever made oh awesome yeah that that has popped up on arrow streaming service hasn't it yakuza graveyard yeah arrow have arrow have i mean for i presume most of our listeners know but for those who don't radiance is a new uh sort of micro boutique blu-ray distro label which is the brainchild of fran who was the founder of arrow um and when he parted ways with arrow a couple of years ago on very good terms he sold arrow to the hut group he set up a a smaller less um behemoth company starting again really with all the the tiny little things that he had he'd always wanted and he's able to go he's got an amazing knowledge uh for these pictures i've recommended a couple of his Mm -hmm. releases um in the past and uh, they do a really lovely job. They're beautifully restored. They're often things that have not really had releases before or definitely not had the attention that they should have had or the care taken that they should have had in the past. Um, and, and a lot of them, it's the first time they've been released on Blue, at least in England, if not English-speaking countries. And yeah, it was really, it's really amazing to watch something like, uh, like Yakuza Graveyard at that quality. It's, it's certainly something that I associate with the the scratchy old bootleg era, and it's yeah, just beautiful. Sounds great, looks great. If you want to watch uh, corrupt cops and honourable yakuza kicking off in the streets of Shinjuku, you can't go wrong. Absolutely, and uh, if you have access to the Arrow Channel, fantastic. Uh, if it's still on there, if it's not still on there, then if you're in the states, the library streaming service Canopy. Uh, which is free to anyone with a library card, um, though there are limited watches every month. I think you get to watch 10 movies before uh, you run out. 
uh, of tokens or whatever. But the last time I checked, it was on there as well. So if you want to watch it on Arrow, if you want to watch it on Canopy, or if you want to buy the Blu-ray from Radiance, uh, I second that recommendation for sure. Cool. All right. Well, next from me is another Criterion movie. It's another big tick off my list. It's Robert Altman's Shortcuts, uh, which I had never Mm. seen before, believe it or not. Very clearly a major influence on Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia. It's practically a a remake of Shortcuts. Uh, It has a very similar sprawling cast of unique characters. It's set in L.A., and it has a unifying moment that connects all of those weird characters and uh, yeah, it also requires a similar level of emotional investment. There's some really sad stuff that happens in both. Um, it's based on a series of short stories by Raymond Carver, with Altman weaving those stories together seemingly effortlessly. Uh, this one has really stayed with me. All of these characters feel so alive in a way that PTA's Magnolia Mob don't, as much as I do love that movie. There is an element of caricature in that film um, that isn't present in Shortcuts. Uh, All of the characters feel so layered and real. Um, If, like me, you haven't committed the time to it yet because it feels off-puttingly long, do watch it. You won't regret it, uh, especially on the Fantastic Criterion disc. Shortcuts, I recommend it. Dan... That's it, right? Yeah, I think that's, that's everything. everything. We're all good. What have we done? We've done we've done Holocaust, we've done Wanking, we've done <laughs> did some anti Tory stuff that's potentially yeah. libelous. Some, and some balance. I've got some balance so it's not libelous. No, I don't think there was anything libelous, no, was there? No, no, no. I hope not. You know, worst case scenario. Uh, we get fired, so... Um, it's, it's not libelous until we write it down. What is it? They're slanderous. Slanderous. Those pig-fucking country ruiners. <laughs> uh, right. I could be talking about any of them. I could be talking about any of the Tories fucking pigs and ruining the country. I'm not, I didn't name yeah. names. That's not slander. Yeah. Just name-calling. And, and for balance, no one in the Labour Party has ever fucked a pig. Um, but uh, Keir Starmer did... Keir Starmer did run a donkey sanctuary, so, um, you know. Over with his car. <laughs> uh, we're cutting extra features, so we're just going to move on <laughs> to... We have to stop Yeah, talking. we're going to move on to uh, telling people how they can receive more of thoughts like this, should they wish, uh, through the medium of the internet. Dan, how can people follow you? Well, you can follow me by uh, burning my handle, Time for Change, into the lawn outside the Houses of Parliament. <laughs> wow, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm at 13fingerfx on uh, Blue Sky and uh, Instagram, and you can pester me there and tell me what you think about my introduction of politic, political anger, anger into our otherwise very, very... Balanced very podcast. balanced well for me you can follow me over at goodreads <laughs> where i'm going to be uh posting all of the books that i read in in this year when i'm challenging myself to read a uh, hundred books uh, i've done 10 in the first week of 2024 so uh i am actually doing pretty well but eight of those are graphic novels but i have read one non-fiction book and one fiction book i read stephen king's holly uh, which was amazing, and uh, Henry Jaglum's uh, lunches, my lunches with Orson, 
which is more relevant to this podcast because it's basically a transcription of a bunch of conversations with Orson Welles. And uh, he says some pretty controversial things in, in the book, uh, including um, discussing at semi-length his hatred of Alfred Hitchcock's films and uh, finding him boring as a person. So, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a good read. It's a good read. Um, so, yeah, uh, check me out over at Goodreads. I will be posting lots of film books over the course of the year, I'm sure. Uh, or you can get me on Instagram, which is at Sam Ashurst 23, the number two, the number three, where I'm trying to draw more comic stuff this year again. So uh, I'll be posting that on there if you're interested in that too. Um, cool. Nice. All right. Well, any final thoughts on Hellraiser Bloodline or the state of the country? Better than I expected, worse than I feared. In that <laughs> order. Uh, uh, thank you so much for listening. And we promise, we <laughs> promise to be more... Pro- to be less political <laughs> next more time. More professional next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.